You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Hello and welcome to Chasing Kangaroos. Welcome to episode 57, the Russian episode. Cards are speaking to newly appointed director of Russian rugby league, John Christie. But of course, first, we hope you are well. Um, and here are some shout outs to the people who we know are well, because they've mentioned that they were listening to us um, via social medias. First to Luke Day, listening while walking his dog. Mitch Law from Leeds, who was heading to Australia in July and planned on catching the Roosters versus Bulldogs, and hopefully we get to see or hear from you later um, this year instead. At League Arj, who retweeted, uh, sorry, who tweeted saying, just listened to the latest Chasing Kangaroos podcast and thought it was time that I thanked the podcasters that I listen to regularly for their continued output. Stay safe, you lovely people. Oh, get out of it, League Arj. You stay safe, you lovely person. Phil Brown, massive, huge legend, Phil Brown. Uh, Janas, Campbell and Sean for rocking different international rugby league gear from Mascot Browns each day while working from home. That was fantastic to see. And obviously, don't forget 2020 Vision for 10% off from mascotbrowns.com or mascotbrowns.com.au. Danny Angvoy Vu, listening to Chasing Kangaroos during, during his daily workouts. And great for you doing daily workouts. I mean, that's something that I should say to myself daily, but never do. And Adam Flankers, listening to Chasing Kangaroos while doing the ironing. We've also got Rob Ashton from Bedford, England, listening on his way to work at a fire station. God damn you, people are fantastic. What a great bunch of fans. And they're just the ones letting us know. So... Fantastic people, so excited, you're amazing. Now, anyway, speaking of amazing, it's time. Here is Kaz's interview, what I'm so ser- crazy excited about. Vukvam. That's right, Vukvam. That's Russian for, let's go Kaz, over to you. Hello. John, how are you, man? I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. What's going on? Well, <laughs> I'm just uh, in lockdown at the minute, um, <laughs> but it's all right. <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> How, um... just, uh, yeah, just looking out the window longingly at the cars drive by. <laughs> Man, the it's... old people that are walking a dog. It's There's... lovely. I've, I never realized how many fucking dogs there were. Honestly, like you go for a walk <laughs> and everyone has a dog. And it's like, where were all these dogs fucking six weeks ago? <laughs> Mate, we're uh, we're only allowed out the house if we've got a dog, uh, apart from to the shop. So, oh, shit. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of getting a dog. I think really. yeah. uh, it's the only way forward. That's one of the businesses that are doing well out of all this, do- uh, pet, tr- pet oh, shops. Yeah. They're killing it. But yeah. <laughs> so how, how bad is it over there? Because don't, we don't hear too much from so being in Oz. We hear a lot about um, what's going on in you know, UK, Italy, Spain, and we hear a lot about the US, but we don't hear much about, like, Russia and all that. Yeah, well, our numbers aren't massively high. I think we're about we're about 3,000, I think. Um, I think it's four deaths or something, or maybe a few more now. Um, so it's not as bad as, say, the UK, Spain, France, America. 
But um, they seem to be pretty proactive so far in um, shutting it down. So a couple of weeks ago, they made it, uh, you weren't allowed to do things with more than 50 people. Yeah. Um, so we still will all abide by that. They, they shut down the football and the ice hockey yeah. and things like that as well. Um, and then about a week ago, we went into lockdown um made it national holiday um so it's all paid for the uh russians and things like that distance learning in the schools everyone worked from home um yeah it's going all right i think they um they said that um they were going to introduce these codes q is it qr codes QR to codes. leave the flat yeah yeah um but the mayor said that it seems that moscow is following the guidelines, so no need for them just yet, which oh, is cool. good. That's good. And everyone um, gets paid. That's yeah. crazy. How long does that last for? Uh, extended it now to the 1st of May. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's officially when we should be back at work. Um, yeah, they're still they're still paying people, which is good. Some Russians don't declare their money, apparently, which is what I've read and found out, <laughs> surprisingly enough. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, so I think I think that's hit some, some people a bit harder. But on the face of it, it sounds great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I won't touch that one, but that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. You, um, yeah. How long have you been over there, just out of interest as well? Like... Uh, three years. Yeah, yeah. Three years, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good. I mean, I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd end up in Russia. But, um, yeah, um, sort of circumstances led to uh, me needing to find a job pretty quickly. And uh, yeah. Russia was the only, well, there was a decent school in Russia looking for a, a teacher. So I sort of went, right, I'll... Uh, I'll bite the bullet, and uh, yeah, it's been brilliant, mate. Met my wife; uh, we've got a kid now, so it's uh, it's not been too bad. It's turned out pretty well. Oh, so you uh, met you met the missus over there? Yeah, yeah. I sort of uh, got off the plane, and then uh, a couple of months later, yeah, met her, and then it's uh, yeah, sort of been a bit of a whirlwind, really. But so, uh, now so we're we're happy, so it's good. So you're there for good now. That's it. You're, you're, well, you're Russian. <laughs> basically, yeah. As much as I try and pretend I'm not, yeah. And how I, it, I basically am, yeah. How is the little one, man? I always see the photos of you got the three of you, like. Oh, she, she's lovely. Poor, poor little thing. She uh, wakes up on a, a Saturday, Sunday morning. We stick the NRL on. <laughs> uh, I maintain she loves it. Uh, yeah. Her mum's yeah. not overly sure throwing a little soft rugby ball at her she closes her eyes i'm not i'm not sure she's going to play for england but uh, maybe russia <laughs> she might play for russia sure. <laughs> you never know the way things yeah, are going yeah, it's fantastic probably, yeah. man i am um, yeah. i'm loving this chat so far do you mind if we just use it all and just get straight into this this convo just keep it rolling yes mate yeah go for it yeah let's do it so, so i'm speaking to john christie uh mate welcome to chasing kangaroos buddy it's um, it's been a long time Thank coming. You very much, mate. Yeah, this one's been a long time coming. Yes, I've, yeah. Like, you've been. I think you reached out to me. I I want to say like twelve months ago, um, to give me some <laughs> yeah, news on what so. was happening over there in Russia. And I've, I've you've been my, you've been my man on the scene over there. Any news, you know, <laughs> any news Russia wise has pretty much come from you. And not mm. a few months ago, you were elected to the board as a director of Russian Rugby League. So congrats, congratulations, mate. 
Thank you very much, mate. No, it was all a. I sort of stumbled across your podcast, really, and um, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> Thank and you. It, it was great hearing about all this, all this stuff going on all around the world, and uh, I kind of thought, well, there's nothing, there's nothing out there about Russia. There's, it's very hard to find anything on the internet. Um, it still seemed quite a mysterious place in in terms of what's happening rugby league wise. Um, so I just tried to share with you as much information as I had and I've got, but yeah. And luckily you've shared it, which is, which has been great. Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. And I, I appreciate you saying you love the show as well. And you've been listening for so long, but I, um, the Russian, this, this episode I've been very excited about because when I first started getting into sort of hashtag grow the game, international rugby league and all that sort of thing, would have been like early 2000s and that's when like Russia or Russian rugby league was really a thing. Like it looked like it was going to be something special. And I remember teams like uh, Moscow Locomotive and Kazan Arrows playing in Challenge Cups and you had clubs like Dynamo and they're all there. Like things were going great. There was a game against the USA Tomahawks over there, which apparently had like 30,000 people. And, you know, for any outsider looking in, you'd think fuck, Russia's going to be a, a powerhouse in rugby league in decades to come. But then things kind of disappeared. And I want to talk a little bit about that history first. How much, you know, being over there and being amongst some of the, the people that are playing the game now, or, or even like the rugby side of things, rugby union side of things, how deep, how deep is your knowledge about what happened in Russia, like 2005 to 2010 and why things slowed down? Mate, the history is unreal. I sort of knew nothing about it. Um, I knew they'd played uh, in the Challenge Cup. I knew they came in around the third round. I believe Locomotive played Salford, I think, or Lee. No, Lee. I think they played Lee. Uh, And I thought that was amazing, really. Um, And then just basically asked a few of the lads who were involved with it during that time. And it, it, it was a mad time, really. Um, I spoke to uh, Jovan from the European Rugby Federation, and he was saying that in that time when we did have a little professional league going, he would send Serbian players over to Russia to play because they would earn more money than they would going to the French competition. Wow. I mean, we were we, there was a big financial backer um, at the time, um, I mean, we had Tim Sheens was a consultant for the national team. Yeah. Um, during 2007, um, Roman, um, who's on the board, uh, Roman um, Ofchenkov, I hope that's correct. <laughs> um, he actually went over to West Tigers oh, yeah. for a trial. Oh, I remember that. I do remember um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And spent some time over there. Um, yeah, with, with Tim Sheens, and it, it's pretty amazing, really, how sort of how it, it's not common knowledge, but we were sort of we were on the map, and we were sort of in the. I think it could have really, really taken off. Um, and apparently, they um, they used to show the games on TV over in Russia. Apparently, what actually happened, they they withdrew the TV coverage because there was a bit of a flare-up, actually, in one of the games between Locomotive and uh, the Kazan team. Yeah. So they didn't really want it on uh, TV. And then I think the money slowly started to leave. The Rupal crashed around 
that time again, which made it more difficult. And then unfortunately, sort of, um, the competition died a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. And we hear all sorts of things about what happened over there. So, you know, you look around that 2005 period, because 2004 was, was absolutely crazy, you know, and, and things seemed to be growing very quickly. Then in 2005, we heard about a rift between club owners of Dynamo and Locomotive, and that rift sort of saw a lot of money leave the game. I think one of the owners of Dynamo left the game and ended up taking it to Rugby Union. Then, you know, yeah, but th- yeah. things sort of continued on, and um, or from my understanding anyway, things continued on slowly. Uh, you know, Russia kept winning games, are winning Mediterranean Cups and you know, beating sides like Lebanon mm. and things like that. But around about 2009, and this, I think, was the real kind of like, this was the real, the big sort of curve when, um, I think it was 2009, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, but the the government started putting more funds into the Rugby Sevens sort of Olympic um, campaign. And that's when things sort of turned for the worst for Rugby League. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, the... Rugby sevens are becoming Olympic sports and no end of good for, for rugby union around the world. A little time, I was, I was in China for years and when it became Olympic sport, the Chinese suddenly started getting involved in, in rugby union. And I, I think they see that's what happened here. It was an opportunity then for some Russians to see it as to, to make money. But also the Olympics is so important to, to Russia um, as a nation, it was another way to compete, and then sort of rugby league would go on the back burner, really, and clubs uh, would focus on sevens, which I think the Kazan Arrows did. Yeah, um, and it's very hard to sort of maintain a competition when you're losing, you're losing finances, but then you also sort of losing your teams as well to um, to the dark side, as I would like to say. The dark side, I love it. So, and and so I think that's that's all. Well and good. That's all in the past now. And I kind of want to talk about mm. what's been happening recently. And now that you're on the board, what, what was planned for this year and what is planned for the years to come. Mm. So let's take it back to when you got there. So you landed in, yeah. in Russia. You got a new job. You met the missus a few months later. But obviously you're missing your rugby league. And how, how did you get involved? And I think you started, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but tell us your story. You ended up playing rugby union for for the most part, right? Yeah, I I had really. I'd um, I played a, I played a lot of rugby league at university, and then I'd um, played it in uh, Nottingham, England, yep. for Nottingham Outlaws, and uh, they're in the uh, Conference League South. It's pretty good standard. We won the comp. Uh, Nottingham's outside of the heartlands in um, in England, so they're expansionist club still doing really really well um and it sort of gave me a first to sort of carry on playing rugby league i came out here wasn't much information really i found it very hard to find out about rugby league yeah so uh contacted the european um rugby federation they put me in contact with uh head coach of cisco who's also who was the head coach of the national team um had a quick chat with him and he invited me down to training and uh it was good. They were they were a dual uh, code club, so they they played their rugby union, and they also played their rugby league. And obviously, with the the national team coach as their coach, 
there was a lot of focus on rugby league, um, which was great. We sort of finished the season. Uh, I came back end of the season, uh, played a couple of games. It was really good. And then following, I believe it was March, Partizan Belgrade came over and we played an army uh, unity cup against them. Very 500 cool. fans in Moscow, um, flares in the in the stadium. It was brilliant. Uh, such a cracking day. Um, so, and then after that... So when, when, sorry, let me interrupt. Oh, yeah. When was this? Was this 2018? That would have been 2018, yeah. Beautiful. And mm. just and just to step back again, so you were playing for Locomotive. No, that was for... I was playing for CSK. CSK, yeah. Yep. CSK. Cool. Yeah. Um, so they were sort of, at, the, at that time, the, I would say the leading rugby league club in Russia. Okay. Um, they, yeah, they sort of set up good links. I know Spartak went over to play Red Star as well around the same time that we played Partizan. Um, yeah, it was, it was going quite well, really. And uh, we were sort of then, I was really excited about what, what the domestic season. But unfortunately, the domestic season never really happened. Um, and then... To cut a long story short, uh, CSKA decided that they were going to go down the route of becoming a professional rugby union side. Um, so they've got some brilliant plans, uh, stadium, doing lots of the kids, but it was all rugby union. So yeah. that was the point where I sort of spoke to them and I decided to join Locomotive, who was still playing rugby league. They were involved with some nines tournaments coming up uh, in 2019. So I hopped on board with them and uh yeah i've been with them since and sort of yeah it's going quite well really and so what was that like so they were playing rugby union and a few league nines tournaments correct what well, locomotive were yeah, yeah they sort of we had a few nines tournaments um set up uh around 10 teams each time um good quite quite a good standard um Locomotive were played, Spartak. The traditional rugby league clubs were playing, and they would also then, after that, prepare for the rugby union season. Yeah, over here. Yeah. So the seasons weren't sort of at the same sort of, at the same time, or anything like that. They kind of crossed over a little bit, which was, which we think is a little bit of a problem moving forward yep. about how we structure our season and what we're looking to do. Yep. Yep. And let's we'll dig into that in a sec as well. Um, of course, last year uh, on an inter- on the international side of things, we remember that Russia pulled out of World Cup qualification. Um, what do you know about yeah. that? What happened there, and what what give us a little bit of the behind the scenes as to how that decision came about? It it was very it was an interesting time. Uh, I sort of. Um, was in contact a little bit with Dennis, who was the president of uh, Russian Rugby League and, and the national coach. And yeah. um, they they called teams to play in a domestic competition around August time, um, which we were sort of, from what I gather, the teams were quite keen to take part. Yeah, I remember you telling um, me. Siska had, yeah, Siska had t- made... Um, Siska players were the uh, majority of the national team, but they were now all playing professional rugby union. 
And I heard on the grapevine that the conversation went basically that professional rugby union players will represent the national team mm-hmm. of rugby league in these qualifiers. And unfortunately, that was met with a, obviously hostility from the rugby league clubs. And then I, I'm not overly sure what happened then, but then we ended up pulling out of of the competition yep. qualifiers, which yep. is a shame, really. Yeah, definitely. And But um, I mean, adding to that a little bit, um, I think um, you had uh, Dean on from Spain two yeah. weeks ago, I think, on your podcast. I did, yeah. And he was talking a little bit about the qualification, how if we had qualified, it would have been a bit of a false dawn. And I think that would have been the same for us, really. I, I do think that we would have played Greece in Russia in the snow, and yep. Yep. that maybe would have leveled been a bit of a level playing field really for us um, but without sort of a domestic competition happening for two years and everything like that our qualification for the World Cup would have been not ideal because we didn't have the structure behind supporting a national team and a national competition long term yeah. and that's what we've got to sort of look towards now well, I agree. As nice as it would be to have Russia and all of these sorts of nations there, it makes sense. I think the decision was the right one. And especially if, you know, proper a proper domestic season hadn't been happening. You know, you, you had been in mm. Russia for two years at this point and nothing had happened really domestically other than a few a few friendly games and, and a few nines tournaments. Yeah. But things are changing. Mm. So you're on the board now. Um, tell us about yeah. the board. How do you get there? Who else is there with you? I um, it was very um, I sort of not giving up hope, um, but I think I I think I messaged you actually, Carbs, and just said, <laughs> do you think it's worthwhile messaging Colin from Red Star? <laughs> and I, um, I, I remember I sent Car um, sent sent Colin a, a long email, um, explaining the situation in Russia, just explaining my frustration, yeah. and uh, I think at the end of it I said. Tell me to wind my neck in if you want me to, mate. But I want, I kind of, I'd love something to happen here. Yeah. And I think there's so much potential and things like that. He replied, uh, he's a good guy. Uh, yeah, he is. And sort of said, anything you need, we can help you out. And Serbia have been a great support to us in all of this so far. Um, but yeah, and I got an email then saying we're looking for people who wants to get involved. Uh, if you're interested, please send in some details and things I did. And then we had, Jovan uh, uh, came over from Serbia to host our meeting. He's on our board now. He's sort of uh, the European Federation representative. Yep. He's going to stay with us for a year, sort of guide us through the first process. That's awesome. I didn't know getting that. Getting things established. I yeah, met, no, he's, he's really good. I met Jovan uh, at one of the at the International Federation Conference in Sydney last year. Um, really friendly guy, really nice guy. Yeah. So that's good to know. That's good yeah. to hear. I think he's a, a good man for that job. No, definitely. He's um, really knowledgeable and um, he knows a lot of good sort of structures that have worked in yep. other countries. Yep. Um, so we don't get ahead of ourselves and we're actually planning something that is sustainable. And, um, yeah, so we're planning from the base down really. So yeah, we had a, we've had a couple of board meetings now. Um, there is, there's five of us, um, the head coach of Spartak, who is, uh, 
very experienced man in rugby league. He's 73. Well, wow. he is. Uh, yeah, he's. He knows it in and out. He's got lots of contacts around Russia. I'm imagining from the old days as well. I'm imagining Wayne Bennett, but with one of those like hats. You know, the Russian like. <laughs> Hats that they wear. He's <laughs> got the hat, mate, and a big, and a big white beard. Yeah. He is a, <laughs> he's a, he's a good man. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got a few other guys involved with us as well, um, ex-national team co- uh, captains and uh, guys from um, the established clubs in Russia. Yep. So now it's a sort of time where we're looking forward to sort of how how do we progress because we're not registered or we're not recognised or registered as an official sport in Russia at the minute. Yep. So that is one of our main aims now is to to get that recognition rec- recognition back and then the funding from the government. And tell us a little bit about that process because we hear about that sort of stuff all the time and a lot of our listeners yeah. ask, you know, what's actually involved in that? So what what are the steps you guys need to take to earn that government recognition? <laughs> so Russia is split into about 84 um separate states shit <laughs> and we yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty big um and we have to be active in half of them yep um the problem that we have is there hasn't been any rugby league played for a while yep so to go to them and say oh we are we're rugby league no we're a proper sport look look at the world cup that's coming up look at our national team in the past but we haven't got anything going now so yeah the aim is to um for the first well the aim for the first year was to be around the moscow region and then we would expand into other regions and create uh a nationwide competition say a south north uh, east and West, yeah. and then that would allow us then to present to the Ministry of Sport. Actually, we've got quite a lot going on, um, and we deserve to be granted the status that we had a few years ago. So that's a lot of work, um, by the sounds of things. But it sounds like you guys are sort of equipped to start and really get there. Tell me about. So I remember you were very excited before all this COVID nineteen sort of hit hit the world and you you messaged me and said carbs we've got russian rugby league the domestic competition is back it's starting soon i'll give you some details as we go and then probably about a week (laughs) a week later this happened you know this all happened and we're all sort of in lockdown now you're Mm. you're you're looking out your window watching dogs walk past i'm (laughs) i'm sitting in my mobile studio in the car outside (laughs) because i needed to get out of the house for five minutes <laughs> but what, obviously, you know, I think that was scheduled to start in May this year. Um, obviously, um, what was that right? We, yeah, we well, we were we were actually going for an earlier start. We were going to go for um, end of March. Oh wow! So was would, our initial it would have been plan. Yeah, it would have been happening right now, um, which would have been yes, yeah, amazing. But obviously. You know, obviously there's nothing going on rugby league-wise anywhere around the world, unfortunately. Um, so, and I, I know there's probably no dates yet, but what what's the plan? When you guys can get starting again or when sport can be played again, what's the plan for the domestic competition over there? So, we had an initial plan, uh, and the initial plan really was to, was to have a, a domestic competition in... Moscow. Yep. 
uh, involving six teams. Uh, and that allowed us to fulfill the international rugby league criteria yep. for uh, our membership. So the plan was to run Friday night lights, Monday night football, double headers. Awesome. Um, and also incorporate um, women's teams as well. Yep. We had uh, Locomotive and Spartak both had women's teams ready to go that they would also play um, sort of with double headers with the men's teams. Yeah, cool. That was the plan. Um, and we really we really wanted to brand it well. And it's very hard for us to, to attract sponsorship, but that was going to be our plan, that we're going we to stream games through Instagram at the start and all sorts of things that would hopefully showcase it, but also let sort of your listeners and the rugby league community as a whole see what we were doing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, obviously with what's happened, yeah. <laughs> that's all been put on a little bit on the back burner. We're now looking at, we're in, like I mentioned earlier, we're in lockdown until the 1st of May. We are ready to go now with four teams, or slightly reduced competition, um, which would run over maybe a six-week period. We want to, because we're building a new national team, we really want to allow the national team to train together. So that domestic competition would now be where we identify players in the Moscow region. We'd ideally like to hold a nines competition, which teams from around Russia would travel to Moscow um, to play. And then we would also be sort of relying on coaches to send players over for training. And then we would probably instigate some sort of state of origin style trial games where we could help then hopefully pick the national team. Yeah. Um, That's still all that's still is ready to go. So we are waiting now for the, for the go ahead from the government. I'm slightly hopeful of a mid May start. Um, We've got time that, that, that is a thing before the European uh, championship yeah. In October. Yeah, that's obviously the How, goal. However, the only problem, yeah, that that is the aim. It's the aim is to get the Russian national team back on the pitch, and uh, just maybe right the wrongs of last year of them not competing in the mm. World Cup qualifiers. Mm. But at the same time, we're a little bit wary of the, the rugby union season because we're going to eat into that now. Uh, we don't want to compete with them right now because we don't want to make any 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 enemies even and um, fall out with them further. So the aim is to sort of, we might have to adapt the times that we play. Maybe it'll go to midweek, Yep. but it is ready to go. So is that why there's been a drop from six to four teams? Is it because of that, the rugby union? There'd be more players. Are there players sort of crossing over? There is players crossing over. Lots of them um, are sort of dual code clubs so yeah and with the rugby union currently being more established um and their competition sort of releasing their fixtures and everything like that it's a little bit easier for the players to see oh we're committing to the rugby union at the minute yeah um because it is it is a bigger sport in russia at the minute yeah and that's that's Um, that's i think i think that's fair i mean you guys are just getting started again who are the four clubs so we've got Locomotive, Moscow, um, Spartak, Moscow, 
Vereri and Olympus, which oh. they were all um, some of the original clubs, uh, sort of back in the uh, in the heyday of uh, Russian rugby league. That's very cool. And and there's still other clubs around because you mentioned that you know clubs from all over the place could be sending teams for the nines. So they still sort of run and do their own mm. thing. How does that how does that work? Who do they, how, who are they all playing? There is um they the majority of them are dual uh dual code clubs. Yeah. Uh I know Roman went down to he played in a beach rugby tournament with Locomotive. Yeah. Um that had teams fly in from all over before the shutdown happened. And he spoke to a lot of them and they said they're ready. They they want to play. They there's a team in St. Petersburg that are ready to play. Uh Kazan, which has a, a rich rugby league heritage in Russia, they're they're keen to join in and uh yeah, the get back involved. Yeah. Yeah. So we're sort of hoping the initial thing was to sort of get out the Moscow product and show them how we're doing this. And then in their own regions they recreate it. As in the stream games, the the Facebook and the Instagram it is is quality, it looks professional. So the competition is the best looking competition in Russia, we hope. Yeah. That is our aim. Yeah, very cool. So you see like a time yeah. where you've got your your Moscow competition, your Petersburg competition, competitions all over, and then your state of origin style where the best from each little competition comes yeah. together. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um Look, yeah. looking forward it would be it would be uh, it would be like regions. Yeah. So we'd play like conferences. Yeah. And then they would come together for semi finals and then a and then a grand final. That's a crazy dream. That would be awesome. I love how like and I didn't realise, but all of these sort of dual mm. dual clubs that play rugby union, they still, after all these years, held on to rugby league, and that says something to me because, like, yeah, like for for all intensive purposes, it should have died. Like, there's no, there was no money being thrown at it, yeah. no competitions, there was nothing doing at all. But all of these clubs still sort of held on to this little bit of hope, and it sounds like as soon as you mentioned rugby league. They're like, yep, we're we're in, we're keen, we want to try, and um, that that it, it, it's funny. We play, we play. Oh, carry on. Sorry. No, no. It just it says to me that that there's so much potential still there. Oh, there is. We play um, rugby union now, and um, as locomotive Moscow, we are seen as a rugby league club. Yeah, I believe in Russia still. Um. And some of the refs even uh, <laughs> will say it's not rugby league to us. <laughs> um, <and> we, <laughs> uh, we just we laugh it off, you know. Um, so one of the refs in particular speaks a bit of English, and uh, he gives me no end of uh, <laughs> abuse for being a for being a leaguey. But uh, we sort of get by, and it's um, th- there is still that there is still that. Because it isn't that long ago, really, yeah. and the clubs still have the history, and they know it was a good time. So it still looked back on as something that we want to explore and we want to we want to keep doing. Yeah, that's very cool. And um, how is it over there? Like, have you learnt some of the language, or how does how does that work? Um, I've got very basic, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, not the. Uh, I'm not the linguist. Um, 
it's I, I always say I'm a bit like a dog. <laughs> I understand the instruction, but I can't really reply. Uh, so that's, that's me. That's that's pretty decent, man. Um, I remember. I don't know if you if you listen back this long, but I spoke to Stuart McLennan. It was probably like episode nineteen or twenty or something like that. And he was coaching. He's back in Australia now, but he was coaching the RS Eagles over in Greece. And I said, "Do you understand? Yeah. Do you speak the? Have you learnt Greece Greek in your time over there?" And he said, "No, but luckily, the cap the captain speaks English, so I'll sort of." tell them the game plan and then he'll repeat it in Greek so that the players understand and yeah you sort of get by you know like it's uh but it sounds yeah. like it sounds like you got a bit of a grasp a little bit I watched him um, I watched some of uh, Lee Addison's uh videos with uh, the Poland rugby league oh yeah when he's talking to the Polish players and he's got his little translator in the background it's uh nice yeah we sort of get there um luckily that um Roman, he talks. Uh, he speaks some decent English, so translate at the at the board meetings. I've got a translator. His wife translates for me. Yeah. Um, so sort of get our messages across and things like that. That's um, interesting, man. But we're all. I mean, they're very they're very good with me. Um, they understand. I think. I think they're a bit a bit taken back why I was there. <laughs> what I wanted to do, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, why is this Englishman at this meeting about Russian rugby league? And I just I spoke to them a bit about how I saw the league happening, the the structure of everything, and uh, yeah, I, I think they they jumped on board and they realised I was there for the right reasons, which is important. And the other positive is you can talk to us and and other like most of the rugby league world speaks English and. Like you said, there hasn't been much news about Russia recently, or much to much that we would understand anyway. So to be able to to bring this to our listeners, then like I think that's fucking awesome, man. So you're still playing, so you're on the board, but you're still going to be playing for Locomotive this year. I I am. I am still playing. I uh, I've trained about two years now, ready to play rugby league, but never played a game. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, no, I yeah, <laughs> it's half the reason I've done it. No, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm, or, yeah, I kind of want to play. Uh, I have moments where I think, oh, I should pack it all in. The body's getting a bit older, but at the same time, you're a long time retired, aren't you? Really, so might as well have another have another season, one more game, and so, all that. So you reckon one more season? That's all you got left. Oh no, mate! I'll carry on till they stretch me <laughs> off. I think. <laughs> Have you um? Get, could you represent Russia, or how long? Because now you've got you're there. You got the wife and the kid, and you you know. I'm guessing you might be a citizen. Like, how long till you can can do that? Oh, it's a bit. Um, well, there's the the new laws have come through, haven't they? And uh, I received an email from the International Rugby League, and I I could I can get um residency here. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, I was asked if I'd be interested in playing the national team, yep. and I would be, hundred um, uh, percent. Unless England ring, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you never know. So I would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no. <laughs> yeah, we saw the Great Britain tour, didn't we? We've got to be uh, realistic. Um, but no, I, I'd love to. Um, if if it was all um, sorted out and I get everything in time, I'd. I'd love to. I'll put myself up for consideration, uh, and if I'm selected, I'd be, I'd be a very proud man. But if I'm not, um, I'll help out behind the scenes as much as possible. That would be very cool, man. And it sounds like it's going to be an awesome first season back. We're going to have nines. Then there'll be the four team competition. 
little bit of state of origin style trials and then and then euro um remind remind me who are you guys up against in the euro which pool is russia in we we're in uh, group b so we have an away fixture against serbia and then a home fixture at the end of october beginning of november against greece and is the talk that everything like that euro is on like despite everything that's happening in the world i think i think you may have touched on it a couple of weeks ago i think because it's not work at qualifiers and yeah. things lots of teams won't be drawing in on their nrl players yeah. so potentially i think it's still it still has legs and it still could go ahead um we've not heard anything from the european federation i'm hopeful that by then the international travel will be back on the scene and we can get we can get people over here and, and we can travel to Serbia. Let's hope so Definitely. because like the rivalry between Russia and Serbia, there's a history there. And the fact that like Serbia took Russia's place in the last World Cup qualifiers, there's like I, I know like it was all amicable and everything was above board, but mm. it's still like a cool story on the field. Like that's just a cool rivalry. And then the fact that Greece qualified for the World Cup which is a, you know, <laughs> which is a spot that Russia would have been fighting for. It's just it's two good mm. two good games there, and it's a good little rivalry. I think that'll be awesome. And what what do you think of, of your chance, chances based on what you see over there so far against those two nations? Well, I think um, I think um, in history, our, our sort of games of Serbia have always been close. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, they've got a very good setup at the minute, um, and they and they've helped us out no end. Um, they, to be honest with you, they are they're brilliant to us, um, and we really want to pay repay the favour and sort of get on the field against them yeah. and uh, have a produce a great game. Uh, I think going to Serbia will be interesting, uh, and I think be, I think it'll be a great game, um, definitely. Greece here is the snow will be on the pitch no doubt uh, by that time of the year <laughs> it will be a bit cold I think for some of the Greece boys yeah. uh, but I, I think they'll have a, I think they'll have a good time here and uh, and, it, and it'll be brilliant sort of uh, it, it'll be a good game their domestic comp and all the problems that they've had um, over the years um, it'll just be a bit of a celebration so we're getting back on our feet and they qualify for a World Cup and the greatest thing I thought about all of that and about Russia sort of withdrawing from the qualifiers was either you were going to get Serbia in the World Cup yeah. or you were going to get Greece. Yes. And it was, it was a no-lose situation, really. Yeah. Both of them have been brilliant for Rugby League over the last few years and fair play to both of them. And I hope in a few years' time that all three of us can all be in the World Cup together. That would be awesome, man. And after you're right, after everything Greece has been, been through... A bit of snow. They're not going to be worried about a mm. bit of snow. Like that's going to be. They're going to love. They're going to love it. And um, and as for Serbia, like Serbia just reminds me because, like, growing up watching Russia, being like looking forward to Russia being the next big thing back in those early two thousands, it reminds me a lot of what's happening in Serbia right now. You know, Red Star Belgrade reminds mm. me a lot of those that like locomotive in their prime and and what Serbia are doing reminds me of Russia we're doing. So it's kind of like. You know, I think it'll be good for these those nations to really be helping each other out. I think it's going to be awesome, man. I hope it does all go ahead. I yeah, also, definitely. From a club perspective, I know um, we, there's always talk about 
and and you may not this may not have been discussed yet, but there's always talk about maybe a Russian club joining the Balkan Super League, but you know distance wise there's there's a lot of distance to cover there, so financially it could be difficult. But we've also heard Colin mm. on the show, Colin Claywig on the show, talking about potentially having a European club competition in the in the next couple of years. Is there any mm. plans there? Are, are Russia a part of those discussions? Do you see it happening in the future? Um, Colin's been quite open with us um, about um, inviting us over to Serbia to play. We were invited over in May. Yeah. Um, looks obviously unlikely that we're going to be able to go but that was he wanted us to bring three nines teams over and play um and we were very keen on doing that yeah um i think with the balkan super league uh, and the new structure that they've put in place yep that's really a sort of appealing for us because then we can sort of with the way it works home game in more of a cup style competition we would it's in our plan to hopefully, well, it wasn't our plan. Hopefully, to join um, next year, oh. or to be to put our case forward to be able to be allowed to join. Um, we would really like to get involved with it. Awesome, um, definitely. Like it's a tremendous opportunity for the players. We would probably look at our uh, domestic champions would enter it, um, and then we will see where we go from there. We're also sort of looking at trying to re-enter the Challenge Cup. Well, if that's a possibility, yeah, um, that that is something that we've we've spoken about. Obviously, we have a bit of history in that. Um, financially, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I mean, it's important that we do aim high, and we are we are tr- trying our best to sort of uh, grow the game in this region. Um, I did see today a little bit from uh, Red Star about. Um, and they re- released a bit of a statement about the potential European um, league or competition that they're looking at developing colonies. And that would be something we would be really interested in. I mean, there's a lot of football rivalries, Red Star, Partizan, mm. um, Lokomotiv, Spartak. Um, the Turkish club is linked with uh, Galatasaray, I believe, or in the same region in Istanbul. It's... <sighs> There's a market for it, I believe. I do believe generally there's a market for it, and it would be a, it could be a great competition. Again, it's money and funding, but you know if we if we keep doing what we can do, knocking at the door, you never know. And that would, if it could happen, that would be amazing. I think like an, a strong, another strong European competition would do wonders um, for our game. Um, mm. You know, hopefully. You know, Super League need need a challenge up there, and England need a challenge. And hopefully, again, we're talking COVID nineteen, so I keep hearing a lot of different stories about what Super League is going to look like after all this. But that's that's a that's a story for another podcast, maybe. But I just think that mm. that European competition would be amazing because it could lift the standard of all of these nations. Um, but because I think, and Colin mentioned it, I read it, I only read about this just before we came on actually. And I'm glad I did cause it's only, mm. fairly, it was a, it was a new statement, but what he said made so much sense about how, um, you know, these, these, a lot of these players in these nations are playing very short competitions, you know, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Mm. And they're asked to compete when it comes to world cups and European cups and things like that against 
you know, a lot of heritage players from Australia who are playing in very strong Queensland yeah. Cups and New South Wales Cups. So there needs to be something to lift that standard. And I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Financially, it needs to work. There needs to be money there. And I guess it leads me to my final question. There, there's been a lot of money in the game in Russia decades ago. Where's the money coming from now? Or are you guys trying to sort of put a product on the field that can then entice our sponsors and partners? We, um, yeah, basically, it's what you said. We are trying to entice people into the game. Um, we don't have um, any money or any backers at the minute. We have our, our clubs the, um, that will gain their own sponsorship within Russia. Yeah. However, we don't have um, a financial backer or any sort of government funding. So it's that is an issue. What we want to do is get a product that we can sell to people. We can get the involvement up from sort of grassroots level all the way. We can spread it around Russia. And once then we can sort of reestablish ourselves with the Ministry of Sport, then hopefully it will all come. We are we are starting from from the very bottom. Yeah. Um, here. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. It's crazy, man. I love the positivity. It's crazy <laughs> that you're starting again after, like I said, everything that we, we've seen over there 20 years ago. That 10-year period was awesome. But starting again now and for the first time in a long time, though, I'm confident in rugby league in Russia. It sounds like there's some good people there, yourself included, that are involved, some passionate people, and that's what it takes. Um, yeah, I think so. And I think it's um, – with some of the Russians involved with rugby league, um, it's drawing a line under the past a little bit and realising, yeah, we did used to have this money, we used to be able to do this, but we can't now. We've got to start from a grassroots level – building the foundations of a house. And if we do this, then we'll attract people because that, that's what we'll be able to do. Sp sports massive in Russia and um, they're looking for stuff. We've got, we've got sports football clubs, um, Spartak Moscow, Lokomotiv Moscow. We've get 40,000 fans. You know, if we can get, mm. if we can get a thousand of those fans coming to the games, then, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. Um, and that's what we're going to try and attract and how we're sort of going to try and grow the game, hopefully. I can't wait to watch it grow, man. And, and I hope you keep, and I know you will, you're going to let us know all the score lines and all the news so that we can let our listeners know. Really looking forward to that. Um, are there any... Yes, mate, I'll keep you uh, up to date. <laughs> are there any final thoughts or any, any anything that I've missed that you wanted to mention to our listeners before, before we say goodbye? <laughs> Not really, mate. Um, but I would like to just say a um, big thank you to you and your, your podcast. Um, you've sort of <laughs> pulled all the emerging nations and nations like Russia together. And it, it's great listening every week to a forum to see what's going on. Like You find out what's going on in Peru, in Greece and everything. And it, it sort of generates ideas for us. Well, I know it has done for myself and um, it's just tremendous, mate. And uh, I can't thank you enough. You've, uh, you set the fire whenever the podcast comes out, I listen to it and I think, right, I've got to go and bloody do something now. And I start sending the emails. But yeah, thanks very much for it. 
I appreciate, I appreciate that, man. It's good to hear. I mean, we just want to help spread the word about this beautiful game of ours that, you know, he's played in places other than Australia, New Zealand, England and France, you know, and it's it's yeah. great great to see that we're having that sort of effect and uh, that's really cool, man. Is there anyone you'd like to, um, I know you listen every week, is there anyone we haven't interviewed before that you'd love to hear from on the show? Oh, you put me on the spot a bit, really. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I I spent when I spent a bit of time over in China. I love to hear what's going on in Hong Kong. Still, uh, I know a few of the boys have left from Hong Kong, um, but I'd love to know if they're still going. I know it's still going. It's got a lot of tag going in Hong Kong. But yeah. uh, if we could get anyone from Hong Kong on board and um, sharing their story and. That would be great. There used to be a Hong Kong Rugby League podcast. It went for a few episodes, and this was a while ago, back around yeah. the time of um, the Emerging Nations here in Sydney in 2018. But I think a lot yeah, of, like you said, they... yeah, a lot of those guys sort of disappeared. So I'm not sure what's – I am not. Too, I don't hear much from there anymore, but if, if they're listening, reach out. We'll have a chat. Yeah, I know Jack Muir, who when I played with the residence team in, in Manila, he – He's gone back to New Zealand, and I know uh, James Hall went back to England. It's a, it's a shame, really, because they're, they're backs to the walls uh, in Hong Kong, but they're doing some quite nice stuff. Um, their night games and sharing it all on social media, it was uh, it was pretty good. But oh, I just wish them all the best and hope they can get back on their feet if they're struggling. Yeah, I have to do some digging, man, but that's that's a really good suggestion. And um, John, mate, <laughs> keep doing what you do, man. Keep hashtag growing the game over there and... Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me. No problem, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers.